Is this a metal thing? Yes. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk Plus. That's right, folks. We've now transcended genre boundaries and sometimes cover, cover other movies. Once we were closeted and believed that people would only like us if we reviewed horror movies, but now we're out of the closet and getting fucked in the ass by general audience movies, too. Because not only horror movies can make you wish it would just end. Uh, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Full video available on YouTube. Don't be a square. Make sure to share. Also, check out patreon.com slash horrormovietalk, the equivalent of the adult section at your video rental store. <laughs> What's going on in there? Am I right? Legs going all the way down to the floor. If you want to add your pee to the community pool, go to horrormovietalk.com or, or call. 682-253-4468 and leave us a voicemail. As always, we have Fart Simpson crammed into the, into the production booth. I'm me. Don't jerk me around. And across from me sits the man who I moved a whole state away from, and yet I can still smell his stench. Birthday boy Bryce Hansen. Say hello, Bryce. Horror. Hi. Mm, it's your birthday, big man. How you doing? How well, you? it was a couple days ago. It's doing well. Um, yeah, I had a. I posted on our Facebook group, and I asked the group to roast me, and that made you very nervous. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, it's you're uh, like Bryce. You, you doing? You doing okay? You hold? How you holding up, Betty? People were saying what? terrible things. Things that you would say in a roast. Right. The and thing that I asked for. It made me worried for you. It was great. You're irritated at me for even doing it, and I'm sitting here just, like, caring and being nice. It's so right. crazy. Right. Well, I was just, I was surprised that you were, I think it was like, uh, you're either seeing it as, oh, Bryce must just be in the depths of depression and want to wallow in it and give, let people help him. Oh, he's looking it. for suicide fuel. Or, he's like, um... I don't think Bryce realizes how much this is going to affect him. I hope he's either way. I was like, no, it's roasts are fun. It's fun to make fun of people that you like. Well, fuck me for caring. We've got a great show today. We'll be reviewing Dumb and Dumber. We'll start out by giving a brief review and our score for the movie. We score on a scale of 1 to 10. You know how that works. After we give our score, we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the film later in this episode. Listen up, folks. We're going to be interviewing Aaron London. That's the writer-director of the new movie available to stream on Amazon called Don't Let Me Stay. Um, so, very exciting stuff. Stick around for that. He was a fabulous guest. And, yeah, he was uh, fun. I've been watching uh, Don't Let Me Stay, and it's been, it's been, I gotta say, if you're a big fan of uh, Get Out, similar feels. I'm about halfway through, and I'm like, oh, damn. Shit's about to happen. Anyway. Um, Dumb and Dumber is now on HBO Max. The synopsis for it goes a little something like, 
When a gorgeous redhead, Mary, played by Lauren Holly, leaves her suitcase in the airport, Lloyd, played by Jim Carrey, makes it his mission to return it to her at her destination, Aspen, California. Lloyd manages to talk to, to talk his roommate and best friend Harry, played by Jeff Daniels, into joining him on the trip because, let's face it, our pets' heads are falling off. Unbeknownst to our duo of dum-dums, the briefcase left by Mary Samsonite was actually a ransom payoff for her husband's safe return from the ominous arms of Nicholas Andre. Notice the pron pronunciation. You just spoiled it. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I spoiled Dumb and Dumber. As Harry and Lloyd are tailed across the country, an interesting The Man Who Knew Too Much scenario takes place, and everyone gets more stupid than they bargained for. Uh, my review for Dumb and Dumber is, I'm very excited because this is our first non-horror movie review on the actual podcast. We did review Wayne's World uh, last week for the Patreon only uh, and that is one of my absolute favorites right up there with Dumb and Dumber. Dumb and Dumber is one of the funniest modern day movies ever made. And in my opinion, it's one of the best comedies of all time. Peter uh, Farrelly and Bobby Farrelly wrote and directed this. And while they are accomplished and obviously talented, their real lightning in a bottle moment was casting Jeff and Jim. The magic within Dumb and Dumber lies in Jeff and Jim. To grown-ass adult males acting like actual sixth-grade children, uh, keeping straight faces and horsing around in ways that would obviously make uh, every mother in America roll their eyes so hard that their retina is detached. Um, obviously, Jim Carrey is at his absolute peak uh, in, this, in this movie, but Jeff Daniels' comedy chops are absolutely crushing. I really... I can't state that enough. And the pair of them together, fully understanding the magic of this concept of two adults so stupid that it hurts, is what takes the thing into the top echelon of comedy gold for me. The pacing and clear storyline of this movie helped to bolster it amongst its competition uh, because it's hard to get the pacing of a comedy movie right. It is really fucking hard. Um, and this meters it out pretty well um while the last half hour of this is pretty weak by comparison of the rest of the movie it's pretty slim pickings on comedy movies that end really strong so uh and i would say this has a better ending than most um i can't, i really can't think of anything that ends a comedy movie that the ending blows me away um and this is as good as any um, it does blow my mind that this is a Jim. This is the same Jim Carrey that, a little more than a decade later, did one of the absolute actual worst movies I've ever seen in my entire whole life, the number twenty three. This is a just a ten out of ten. What do you think about Dumb and Dumber, Bryce? Yeah, I mean Dumb and Dumber is con in contention with the number one best horror, best comedy movie of all time for me. Like I. I'm kind of hard pressed. Well, especially if you if with it's with the caveat of narrative, you know, like I think the only competition would be like uh maybe like Borat or the Jackass movies, you know. And I guess Borat is probably narrative, but in terms of like an actual, you know, movie 
I can't think of anything that I can dependably turn to for laughs, you know, uh, compared to this movie. Like, Airplane is pretty close, you know? Um, but this movie, and every time I rewatch it, I find something new. Like, some throwaway line or, like, little moment that is tucked behind the moment that you remember where it's like, God damn, even that's funny, you know? Um, it's just astounding how, how good and how funny it is throughout because within the first, like, five minutes, there's a good, like, six moments that are super memorable and quotable, you know? You know, like, within the first 30 seconds, like, Austria, put another shrimp on the bobby. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, so it'll be it'll be interesting because it's hard to talk about something that is just on the face just so good and accomplishes so well what it set out to do um but yeah i mean i I watched it again with my wife and we were both laughing throughout and i i think the thing that i grow to appreciate more is how well like the container of the storyline is where you know, that's where a lot of comedy movies go wrong, where it's like the actual movie part of the comedy movie isn't actually interesting. That That's where, like, I, I think for me, Wayne's World loses a point or two, which is like, it's just not a super compelling plot. You know, it's like they get picked up by a national chain, you know, their, their thing, and then there's some conflict, and it's like, okay some of this feels kind of artificial or some of this feels like something I don't really care about. But with like Dumb and Dumber, there's actually kind of a lot going on in terms of like intrigue and side characters and like motivations and, and uh, all that really holds it together really well. It's, it's kind of a masterclass on how to do things right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's shocking. <clears throat> um, I mean, in ter- yeah, it's, it's a, and it's, and it's super efficient too. Like that's the other thing that I take away is like, it just wastes no time. It it like, it'll transition between scenes with like just a shot, you know, a reaction shot, and it'll go on to the next thing. And then everything, everything makes sense. Like every setup to each set piece makes sense within the plot, and it it does that thing where, um, uh, I think Matt Stone and Trey Parker talk about it where like the the thing you want to avoid when you're writing a story is and then this happens um it always has to be this happens therefore this happens or this happens but this happens so you know it has to be there's like a constant string of like inevitability that that goes from the beginning of the movie to the end that feels like it's really driving it uh towards um a conclusion and and really captures your attention versus what a lot of comedy movies do which is like we've got a lot of great comedy material we've got a lot of scenes that are going to be fantastic uh we'll string them together somehow we'll we'll figure it out and that's like very obvious in, in in a lot of screenplays for a lot of comedy movies and now that's kind of the case with a lot of like high budget 
action movies as well where it's like okay we've got a lot of special effect shots let's just like wrap the, a plot around this like a hastily uh, yeah. wrapped birthday present it, and get it out there i mean it's yeah it definitely has a compelling story but it's not all it, it also avoids the other the 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 trap of that as well right the, the, the there's a trap within there of having like a strong story narrative like i really dig um wayne's world uh to as great a degree as this because i i really enjoy the zaniness like it's it's a world that's insane kind of you know it's it's a little it it and and i you know i mean i grew up watching you know uh bit shows right and so i really like that's kind of how i prefer my comedy because to me it just kind of it's just it's just how i grew up you know kids in the hall and 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 snl and like bits of groundling things and and this and that and monty python you know sketch shit and so but there's the opposite version where you go too far into the dumb and dumber territory where it becomes formulaic it becomes a rodney dangerfield movie you know and it's like don't get me wrong rodney dangerfield hey it's they're great movies but they're the story is nothing to write home about it's the one-liners that are crazy zingers or you know just his coked up looking fucking face um you know like it's it's not the thing to write home about this has a compelling story that is not formulaic and uh and it's and and it fits some of the absolute funniest bits you've ever seen in in there so um you know what though uh if you're listening to these commercials you should know that you do not have to. Uh, you can head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash horror movie talk and toss us a couple of ducats for the price of one cup of coffee a month. You can get early access to all the episodes without commercials. You can also vote on one movie a month for us to watch. Let's get access to the after pod. You can also listen to uh, pretentious reviews over there that you've never heard if you have only listened to the horror movie talk uh public rss feed all that kind of cool stuff so check it out also check out our horrormovietalk.com slash shop shop buy yourself a t-shirt buy yourself a coaster buy yourself a sticker put them all together and uh sip some coffee out of your t-shirt that has a uh a horror movie talk sticker on it Check out our resident artist, Dustin Goble. He's a professional artist who is swamped to the gills. If you try to get a hold of him, you got to bother him incessantly, make his life a living hell for him to get back to you because he's so talented that everybody wants him to work for them. And uh, But he's too nice is his problem. So you can really take advantage of him over there at dgobel 0 That's at D-G-O-E-B. E-L-0-0 on Instagram. Make your artistic dreams come true. Don't tell him we sent you, because if you do, he'll want to hunt us down and kill us. But he'll only be able to find one of us. I'll let you guess which one. Um, Call us at 682-253-4468. Thanks again for listening, and let's get into the spoilers. I don't know how to do that.
there's people sleep on a couple of things. Number one, young Tom Hanks. You don't remember how good young young Tom Hanks was at comedy. Like some of his shit is so fucking funny, it will it will make you go, oh, he's one of the greats at comedy. But you just don't think about him that way. You think about him, Forrest Gump, Apollo 13, or 11, or whatever the fuck it is. Um, you think about, you know, Captain Spaulding, uh, all of those. But I gotta tell, Jeff Daniels is, I mean, I can't. Bryce, how does Jeff Daniels do this? Yeah, I mean it's it's crazy. Like he's, uh, I mean, what what other um, comedy stuff has he been in other than uh, Dumb and Dumb? It's it stands out so much. I know, and it's so singular. It kind of makes me wonder if if it's just a lightning in the bottle in in a bottle sort of um, situation because. It, you don't see it a lot, you know. I, I mean, think I mean a lot of it is the <clears throat> the situation where I mean it's it's not groundbreaking that the comedy comes from just someone being profoundly dumb, like that is kind of the ultimate premise of comedy is just someone not getting it and being put into a situation. Um, but yeah, I mean I don't think that there's any straight ahead comedy that you point to Jeff Daniels for, but like somehow it was just perfect. You know, um, I, I would say that in terms of, I mean, look, it, I, I don't, this may be bold. I don't think it is bold. I think Jeff Daniels is fucking funnier in this his bits stick with me to a greater degree than Jim. Look, Jim is the, I mean, Jim sets him up like, like a fucking champ. You know, the, this is the peak Jim, but in this movie, the Jeff Daniels moments stand out to me more. Um, I mean, I wouldn't agree with that. I think Jim Carrey is obviously better at comedy than Jeff Daniels, but the fact in this that, movie, like, yeah, Oh, yeah. I think, like, and especially for me, Jim Carrey is, he's one of the best physical comedians ever. Oh, yeah. Um, but also just one of the best comedic actors as well. Like, I mean, that's, it's kind of rare to be very, very good at physical comedy, but also, like, having be world class at at just general comedy right right so like and he gets it like a uh, completely and and uh you know it's by the time dumb and dumber comes out his instrument for physical comedy is so well tuned i mean it's interesting going back watching in living color or his stand-up and it's very very broad obviously um but just something slightly off like the t the timing or like the the scale the of it or something the exaggeration where it's like too much yeah, yeah it's not quite there or he's relying too heavily on it and i think what changes as he has gotten older or like around this time 
his acting chops like met a certain threshold to where um he could pull off everything through his acting with the comedy and then just use the physical comedy to accentuate it you know yeah it's it's uh it's pretty thick it is definitely a thick girthy amount of comedy chops but i nevertheless i will say jeff daniels bits and and the way he hangs is yeah it's even. astounding yeah. it's it, it's just it's it, it's so much more impressive because you do know that jim carrey is legendary like he's maybe the the guy for comedy acting like and then you got jeff daniels who matches him does not get sta- stood up at all like adds big amounts to this movie um in delivery and in just and i would be so interested like oh my god can you okay remember that man on the moon and then it came out with uh with that documentary jim and andy uh about the making of the man in the moon i would do anything to watch a documentary about the making of dumb and dumber because it i would love to see the process of if if jim is like is like really i i i in my mind i have it as as like jim is just kind of the director of dumb and dumber like you know he gets the script he understands it and then he's like tweaking things as they go and and then a lot of it and i i think might be improv and stuff like that just just like just astonishingly good funny improv between jeff and jim but i I would love to see that well i mean this is the other thing is like it this was peak jim carrey but it was also peak fairly brothers like fairly brothers are you know output in the 90s was legendary for for comedy like uh just great writing great directing for for comedy movies i mean so they had dumb and dumber something about mary um uh was a kingpin me myself and irene is kind of where they started tapering off for me um but like just those three like that trifecta of something about mary dumb and dumber and and kingpin or like just great crushing comedies and uh this was kind of their peak for me i mean it's so much went well with it and like it uh, re-watching it i also it sounds dumb but i really appreciate the depth of it too like the characters of lloyd and harry they're believably dumb you know (laughs) like you've met the guy (laughs) yeah You've met these guys. Yeah, because, like, the the stuff where it's, like, it's not, it's definitely a caricature, but it's not, like, a cartoon, you know, to where there's moments of, oh, they have some form of education. They just don't get it enough, you know, just even, like, the references, like, you know, where they, where the women flock like the salmon of Capistrano. Or it's like, oh, it's more of like a malapropism than like an actual, even to like know what the reference is and to get it wrong is enough. And there's like, there's a moment in the beginning where um, 
and, and they feel like real characters because like in the beginning of the film when he's talking about um dropping off mary with with uh harry lloyd is expressing true like loneliness and like what and like a yearning and like self-analyzing in a way that's like no this is this is a real person there's these little glimpses of there's real people you know but they're just super dumb you know and that's what brings the entertainment you know so there to serve the comedy at moments there's like moments of brilliance or just um you know they're not they're not handicapped they're just really dumb you know it's like this whole time you've had two pairs of gloves right <laughs> i mean we're in yeah. the rockies <laughs> yeah harry it's the rocky mountains <laughs> it's like <laughs> i'm gonna kill you yeah no okay so there's this thing that i'm pretty obsessed with and i can't tell if the people that i'm sharing it with uh are just so irritated by it that they can't respond um, or don't watch it because they don't respect and love me or, um, but I'll show you something and I've shared this with you and I love this, 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 this is a guy, you know, the concept of, you know, this guy, you've met this guy, you don't like him, but Okay, here, here we go. I'm going to share share my screen. If you're not watching on uh, YouTube, uh, you should be because this is you know this is going to get this is going to get kind of cool. I got to tell you. Nah, fool. I'm from Portland, dog. Straight up, dude. That's why I paint my fingernails black sometimes, dog. I'm different. Man. <laughs> hey, what up, Chris? I'm done drinking this. I'm just trying to get my deposit back, bro. Hey, pick that up, dude. This place is a mess, dog. Chris, do you ever worry about people coming up in here and asking for cigarettes, and then when you turn around to get them, they just, like, pull a heater out on you and just go, bang, bang, <laughs> straight up, you know? I hear it happens all the time to cash your so That's more more, dude. All right, fool. Hey, good looking out, dog. Hey, you stay safe, fool. Straight up, dude. That's the homie, bro. That's the homie, bro. You know. You know this guy. You've met yeah. him. He's horrible. You hate everything about him. Mm-hmm. But this guy has captured the essence of that fella. I don't know if he, I don't think he is because he's too aware. But let's, one more time. Let's just. Nah, fool. I'm from Portland, dog. Straight up, dude. That's why I paint my fingernails black sometimes, dog. I'm different, man. <laughs> hey, what up, Chris? I'm done drinking this. I'm just trying to get my deposit back, bro. Hey, pick that up. This place is a mess, dog. Chris, do you ever worry about people coming up in here and asking for cigarettes and then when you turn around to get them, they just like pull a heater out on you and just go bang, bang, <laughs> straight up, you know? I hear it happens all the time to cashier, so that's one more, dude. All right, fool. Hey, good looking out, dog. Hey, you stay safe, fool. He's got the snake bite. He's got the snake bite, uh, you know, um, piercings on his mm-hmm. lips. He's, he's He just does not give a shit. Uh, about anything, he's got no respect for you. Your your time, uh, he just wants to talk and be heard. And uh, but that's that's. Do you have have you seen these that I send you? Mm-hmm. What do you think yeah. about them? Well, I mean, I I usually I've seen those before. You send them to me. Oh, like, okay. Like, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's that guy tapped into a very specific character. I mean, it's it's a great fodder for comedy, and and that's one of the things that sometimes uh, people on SNL get really good is like they come up with like a that person that you've met before, like the target lady, uh, Kristen Wiig's target lady. Um, uh, what's her name? Um, uh, she just left, but there, there's a couple, couple people that on SNL that do that really well, where it's like a very specific character that all you have to do is just set them up in front of a camera and just talk for a minute. And you're like, God damn it. I know that's hilarious how well they pull that off. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I think I'm assuming the point you're, you're making here is like these characters are believable for what they are. And it's yes, because you've um, met them. They are, they are people you know and met and know right now, you know, like, I, I, the, don't, the, I don't think I, I could say like, this is a, either one of them are necessarily a type, but I, there's definitely moments, um, that are indicative of pretty much anyone's dumbest moment, you know? just a, a profound like lifelong misunderstanding about dude, something dude this is this just screams to me that bryce has not worked construction um <laughs> like this is a person a hundred percent a lot of people blue collar people like <laughs> like not, not all blue collar people like that should be a sticker for sure but uh but d- d- listen I, i've met i've met harry and lloyd a thousand times. I know who they are. They're good people. They are uh-huh. who they are in this movie. Right. They're good people. They just, they're just dumb. Yeah. They're just fucking dumb. They're so, some of them are fucking sweet as puppies and others are evil, horrible people. And others well, yeah, are just they're, trying to muddle through life. Yeah. But, they're earnest um, and genuinely believe <laughs> that they're good and just, they're just misguided. Right. The stuff believe like when, when they're like, no, listen, we'll just write IOUs. We're, our word is our bond. Everything's accounted for. Everything's accounted for. It's like everyone but them understands that there's no possible way that they can repay that money Yeah. in their lifetimes. Yeah. Um, but they're very earnest about it, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, they... They... Yeah, well, it's the earnestness that sells it. It's... It's the reason it all comes together because I mean, it, it could be what's it the 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 uh, the character oh man I can't, man now I'm now I'm losing his his name uh, it could be the pest mm. it's not earnest it's not it's and it doesn't work because it's not a real person it kind of is a real person but it's a it's like a bad caricature. Yeah. Whereas this is anyway. Let's let's get into this. So <laughs> Lloyd drives <laughs> drives Mary to the airport. He instantly falls in love with her, which every dude can right. absolutely I mean I, I It's kind of weird to say, but I fall in love with everybody. You know, mm-hmm. like there's a moment when where I love you, you mm-hmm. know. Whoever you are. Um, and so that's su- su- super relatable, but it's because it's it's that Jim is so dumb 
that you that you're like why are you going in the air you know he he's he does all the things you would do if you fell in love with someone he stumbles over his words but he does it in spectacular fashion you know like why are you going to the airport flying somewhere and she's like <laughs> yeah obviously and he's like mm. he doesn't even know he's done it but right. he's done it he's sprays banaka out outside he never he never hits his mouth you know, when he sprays the banaka. By the way, do people still have mouth spray? Is that a thing? I don't know. I don't know. I think mint, I think like the, the mint strips. I don't know. I'm not even up to date on that because like it, it seemed like they're overtaken by mint strips. I think mouth. And then I, think, I don't know what it is now. Yeah, I think breath control has gone the way of the dodo. I think. It's yeah, like I think we don't see each other enough. Yeah. It's all, it's all over Zoom. Yeah. That's yeah. what it is. You don't need Banaka on Zoom. Yeah, I mean, I think, to to your point, the most, if, if women want to understand what it's like to be a man, the one line um, that shows the mindset of men when it comes to uh, meeting attractive women comes at the end of the film, where he's like, so what are the chances? Girl like, girl like me and a guy like you. He's like, Shoot! Give it to me straight. Is it one in a hundred? She's like, more like one in a million. So you're saying there's a chance. Like that's if we. That's the reason why men yell at women through a moving car. You know, because mm-hmm. yeah. there's a chance. You know, yeah. There, maybe I think you know. There's when when we fall in love with celebrities. Like whenever I watch something with jennifer aniston i'm like i was gonna say this next this is gonna be the next thing i say if you're friends with bryce hansen occasionally he will (laughs) ping you and ask you so do you think jennifer aniston and i will be a thing soon or do you think it's gonna be in a couple of years you know like what yeah i mean what did i text you i think i said uh do you think um Let's let's look it up here. Oh yeah, I said, "Do you think Jennifer Aniston would like me?" And what did I say? <laughs> you said yes, and she would also ha- like to have sex with you. And I said, "Oh good, oh goody, <laughs> oh goody," because you know exactly where my mind's at. It's like literally, and she would also, Bryce, like to have sex with you. <laughs> you, every every she would woman like that we come across that we're like attracted to is like, like there's. We en- we enter the multiverse in our head where it's mm-hmm. like, okay, in all of the possible It's worlds, not you and me, by the way. You're not saying we. You're saying the globe of men. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm trying to convey. Of cis, the, the globe of men, men. Enter, <laughs> enter into the multiverse and are like, there are numerable situations in which... Um, uh, we can connect and I can be able to sleep with this woman yeah. and have like a meaningful relationship to convey how much I love her in this moment where I just glanced at her half a second ago. And uh, we live in those moments for seconds each day. Well, it's that's why a guy came up with, uh, yeah, the multidimensional theory, right? Right. Which is right. every timeline is happening at somewhere at some point in some, right. uh, you know, in some universe, in some 
dimension, right? Right. So there's like literally infinite amounts of universes, infinite <laughs> amounts of universes where Bryce is with Jennifer Aniston. Literally, exactly. right now. Right. It's it's hap. Just it's need hap, to. It's a tap scientific. It. It's a scientific fact that Bryce Hansen and Jennifer Aniston are a thing in infinite universes and realities. Right. Yeah. Infinite. Exactly. You so can't say there's a chance. A chance? No, it's it's it is a a hundred percent probability <laughs> that you are actually have your wiener inside Jennifer Aniston on like the face of a black hole somewhere out there. You know, mm-hmm. like yeah. in a two dimensional like there's strings of code and like string theory all melding together, and Bryce Hansen's like. You know, with uh, with Jen Ann. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, exactly. Jennifer Han- Haniston. Yeah. <laughs> what would what would be our moniker? What would the paparazzi give a Bryce and Jennifer Aniston uh, relationship? Brennifer? <laughs> Brennifer? Um, Jice Hanniston. Jice. Jice. Yeah. Jice. Um, wait, Jice, Jennifer, Br- Han- Haniston, Jice Haniston. Haniston's a go-to, but like, yeah, Br- Brennifer. Jice Ham. <laughs> okay. We're like, on. we're Jiced Ham. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm so trying, I'm racking my brain, trying to find, I'm trying to remember the one like small moment that happens it's just a throwaway line and just i can't i can't remember it but there's like there's all these little throwaway lines um in the movie that it's just impressive how how well the comedy is stacked onto itself over and over again uh through through the movie and i mean we could just uh, we we could go through each moment that like stands out as being funny, but then we would just basically tell you what the entire movie is. Yeah. What what is your favorite? Like, what's your favorite like big set piece of like this is the obvious iconic scene, but also what's your favorite small moment? I the, mean, in... the quote set piece um, or scenario. Uh... <laughs> It's so hard to <laughs> really I truly 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 love the moment when they're at the burger bar and they've put the hot peppers uh-huh. in uh, <laughs> in Mike Stars Joe May <laughs> when he when he falls backward on the floor and he's lying there like gasping like he's clearly hurt. Like he's so he's, he's, he's obviously dying dying in that moment. on the floor. And Jim Carrey whips around with this big exaggerated hand and goes Ha <laughs> He's pointing it at his face and just screaming with laughter and, and he's literally dying on the floor and it's like that Big exaggerated turning point kills me, kills me, and um, just that makes me cry with laughter. 
I mean, um, I, the, the whole start where the sweet old lady on a motorized scooter, I got taken by a sweet old lady on a motorized scooter. Didn't even see it coming. <laughs> like, it kills me. It's just like, uh, obviously the toilet. Uh, the right. toilet is, I mean, it's there with, you know, the with things in the mirror are larger than, are closer than they actually appear in Jurassic Park. Like, that Jeff Bridges, Jeff Daniels moment uh, where he's on the toilet is just, it's crushing. Uh, like, all the, what about you? What are, what are the ones that stick with you? I mean, but every moment in this, you go, you're like, you're like, God damn, like, I say, uh, I say, thanks, it's a cardigan, but thanks for noticing. Like, I, like the Harlan Williams m- cop pullover scene kills me, too. Like, I, it's yeah. all great. Um, I think on this viewing, like, I think my favorite big set piece is the, the skiing date like that. I mean, he gets his the tongue stuck to the to the chairlift, and then this just the the shift in going from having a good time to Harry being deadly serious about this snowball fight. Yeah, is so funny to it's me. It's entirely sixth grade. It's exactly yeah. how a snowball fight goes. Right, and uh, that I think that set piece at the toilet of of course like. Um, and then the small moment, um, I mean, there's so many good ones. Um, and, and the, my favorite small moment, um, is <laughs> when Harry attacks Lloyd for not giving him the gloves or, or yeah, Harry attacks Lloyd and Lloyd is just goes, Harry, <laughs> Your hands are freezing. <laughs> that is the funniest, just the funniest line in the world for me of just like, just in the moment of being like actively murdered. And he's like, man, your hands are freezing. <laughs> <laughs> I really, that, that crushes. I really love the moment where they're in all, all the moments with Joe, uh, uh, Mentalino, in the car or with him at all are gl- glorious. Like right. when they're in the car and, and Lloyd starts singing Mockingbird, mock, yeah, sing, yeah, bird, yeah, yeah. And then Joe can't handle it. He's about to kill them right then and there. Like the movie's about to end. Mm-hmm. And, and they see on the side of the road, oh, there's some hitchhikers. Pick them up. <laughs> and then the next scene is Joe just being like, I'm going to kill myself with with a whole family, a whole Mexican family in the car. Mock, see, ing, see, burr. Like, it's it's just crushingly funny. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I remember I just looked this up. Roger Ebert, like, what, in his review of this, I, I looked at this, and he only gave it two stars, which is astounding to me, especially given this paragraph, the opening paragraph. Um, when he when he wrote about it, he said, the purpose of a comedy is to make you laugh, and there's, there is a moment in Dumb and Dumber 
that made me laugh so loudly I embarrassed myself. I just couldn't stop. It's the moment involving the kid who gets the parakeet. Yeah. But because I know that the first sentence of this review is likely to be lifted out and reprinted. Yeah. I hasten to add that I did not laugh as loudly again or as often. Whatever. Roger Ebert. I didn't Uh, do it again. Oh, really? You mean when you've heard the joke, it wasn't as funny a second time? Shut the fuck up. Yeah, I mean, like, just the level of commitment to the dumbness in in this movie is great, you know? And uh, it... It like um, it works as like a universal. Like it's it's weird when you look back at like okay, what works over time, um, and what doesn't get dated. And I don't think Dumb and Dumber gets dated at all because what it really lands on is dumb people are funny. Yeah. Uh, I mean, misunderstandings are funny, and physical comedy is universal. Yeah. No, Steve Martin made an entire career off of this. Right. Uh, This is. Yeah, they, they they took Steve Martin's whole premise, his whole career, and yeah, and uh, the, I, I, there are elements of this movie that are tremendously dating. Um, the the number one that sticks out to me is the soundtrack. Is it's extremely nineteen ninety four ninety five. Yeah, I don't know though. I mean, like it's so particular. I I attach all the music specifically to this movie to where it's like. It's got a it's got a unique soundtrack, and I I can't say it's like oh it's because it's in the nineties it's it it's, feels just dumb and dumber because I mean it's not like tied to nineties music like, it's it's tied to Cool Runnings was just a huge movie <laughs> like it's it's got that it's got that like poppy sort of Jamaican flair to the whole thing sure yeah I mean I don't. It doesn't. It doesn't date it for me. Like it. It's like I think it stands on its own. Um. But yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where like I I have such a big appreciation for physical comedy now, to where it's like this is the stuff that doesn't age at all. Like you can watch Charlie Chaplin or, you know, um, what's his name, you know, Harold Lloyd or the other guy i can't remember any of those silent movies and they all work because of the physical comedy like that's all you need and you're they're as entertaining as anything you can watch now you know uh there's that moment i mean speaking of physical comedy like there's that moment where where harry is trying to get the number from the lady at the gas station and he has gas all over his feet (laughs) and he (laughs) And his and his 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 leg lights on fire, and he's standing there, and she's like, you know, she's just making small talk, and he's like, would you just give me the number? And she's like, oh well, if you're gonna get snippy, I'm just I'm just leaving. Like, it c- c- crushed me. I was just right. like, I c- could not stop laughing. Or hey guys, uh, hey guys, big gulp song. Well, see you later. Like, just all it takes, like, that's not necessary. It is physical because of that beat that he gives right. it. Like, it's that knowing that you wait a good more than two Mississippi. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's great. Yeah, it's. Yeah. Um, I will say, like, about about the ending, you said that it kind of drags at the end, the last 30 minutes, and, like, 
there's a certain amount of that where it's like, okay, you have to actually wrap up the plot. And so there has to be some housekeeping that happens. But I got to say, like, for me, it doesn't let up. There's still some great lines and scenes in the last couple minutes of the movie. I mean, yeah, the no, interaction between... The tail end of this is great, but the the action... The action portion is is where it, it tends to lose me because that's where they all go. That's the formulaic part of the thing to me, and it it bothers me a little bit. But I mean, it's one of the best there is still because it is. What do you mean? What what action? Oh, you know the um, the uh, custody or the you know they got them all tied up on the beds and uh-huh. and yeah, I mean, just leading into that uh, the, the culmination of you know the end basically right but even that it's like <laughs> the argument where it's like no shoot me first no shoot me first okay okay kill him, him. kill him <laughs> like and then the uh what if they shot you in the face what if they shot me in the face that was a that was risk a risk we were willing to take, take. <laughs> yeah and then finally like the the epilogue the cap of that just like mwah. Yeah, no, just that puts puts it on as the the Hawaiian the tropic Hawaiian Hawaiian tropic tour bus. Yeah, like, with the, oh, the bikini models that are yeah. looking for uh, some some oil boys for an oil boy. Yeah, yeah. and uh, dude, I'm not joking you. That that's such a. I mean, that could be. It's just its own. Like that's its own kids in the hall sketch. Like it that could encapsulate kind of the premise of the whole movie just pretty easily right there, mm-hmm. right? Is it's a really strong way to end because it is, I mean, if you're a, if you're a cis male, God forbid, um, then this, this actually hurts. Like this is hard <laughs> to watch this last moment where they're like, where they've literally struck gold. There's all these supermodels like giving them the eyes and basically being like, can you come on this bus and just have fun with us for an indeterminate amount of time? Um, and then they turn it down and you, your balls just hurt. You're just like, why? Why didn't they do it? That's so upsetting that it, it perfectly encapsulates how dumb they are. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's like the the like uh, the final point of like man you know someday we're gonna get ours you know just gotta keep our eyes out like man two two lucky guys are gonna be touring the u.s with those girls like man some guys get all the breaks someday our our chance will come you know wait a minute oh no oh and then they run after them and you're like oh thank god thank (laughs) god they're gonna amend the problem and they go my buddy, he's so stupid. He's just space age, space brain out here. The town is back that way. And you're like, no. Like, it's this final kick to the nuts where you're just like, well, you could have. Oh. Yeah, it's sad. It's a sad ending. I'm not going to lie to you. Anyways. I will say um, Lauren Holly, who plays Mary, the beautiful redhead, is still gorgeous, but... um but just a different looking person altogether. Like 
I don't know if it's that she's had work done, but she looks completely different to me. Like she does not look the way that I would think Lauren Holly would look old if it were me in 1994 or five watching this being like, she's going to look this way when she gets older, but she's still no. absolutely stunning. I mean, from her IMDb is she looks like the same. It's, it just looks like she's older. Like Disagree. it's the same thing with like, uh, when we watched, um, I Wayne's mean, world, like to me, Lara Flynn Boyle was unrecognizable in Wayne's world. And it's, it's just losing the baby fat in the face. Like it just, there's less, you know, plumpness in the cheeks. And then, you know, that's, that's kind of what I'm seeing with her, which is I disagree. normal. Yeah. Totally disagree. I think you're very wrong. <laughs> okay. Well, well, look, if we're going to play that game, let's play it. <laughs> like, I mean, it's just a, I, I can't tell if it's work. I think it might be work. I you could be right, but I don't know. Anyway, um, who would like this, Bryce? Who would you recommend Dumb and Dumber to? I mean, it's so it's like Universal. Would like your who, mom who, laugh at this, or would she be disappointed? Absolutely, yeah. My mom would love Dumb and Dumber. Our pets' heads are falling off. Um, <laughs> I mean, it gets it gets a little like it touches on a little bit of raunchiness or a little bit of like gross humor, but it's so momentary and in general this is such a general audience's comedy you know yeah that i wouldn't i wouldn't shy from i mean i think i've I've showed this movie to to penny you know wow are you serious how old is yeah. Penny now i guess i don't know how old she is penny's 10 oh so i mean it's i mean what's it rated it's pg-13 it's no it's pg-13 no way. How about no, that? Like, swearing or nudity or extreme violence in it. It's just I mean the worst thing is he, he shits in a in a toilet. No, the worst thing is he sells a dead bird without a head to a little blind boy. That's the worst thing. I remember um seeing this as a kid and that being so dark for me that I I just couldn't like I don't think I could continue. Like, I was like, that poor little boy. Like, it hurt it hurt my soul because, number one, the little bird was dead, and that mm. hurt a lot. Mm. And then, number two, um, the poor little boy. Like, it's funny now, I guess. It still smacks a little bit for me of a little too much. Like, it's just too dark. But, you know, that's – it's it's hilarious for sure. It's The premise is – See, I don't look at – Dumb and Dumber and it being dark never enters an end to me. Like I, I would never use that adjective to describe Dumb and Dumber. It's like it's so light and breezy to me. Mm. Yeah. What about the concept I just described where uh, your bird has been murdered with, by its head being pulled off? And then in order to make money to go on a road trip, you tape its head back onto its body and then sell it to a blind child. That's there's no part of that that says dark to you uh sure i mean that that's a little dark humor but that's like it's not like dead baby dark it's it's like a dead bird con man dark you know it's like it's when you find like someone um yeah if you see like a con man movie where it's like ha, you got one off on him 
but if you sit and think about it, it's like oh that he he actually harmed that person um and that's not good in society to trick people for your own game it's like i think but it, no it's i think it's fair for it to hit me as dark i mean wouldn't you agree yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying that it shouldn't hit you as dark. It's, oh. I'm saying it doesn't hit me as dark. Oh, I got you. Yeah, no. Um, it always that's that's this. Th- it always kind of did that to me, and and it always made me feel real bad. Like, hmm. um, and I just so vividly remember that, like, like pulling back and being like, and having like. Did you ever read Watership Down, or did you just watch it? No, neither. Did you watch it? No. Oh, okay. There's I've seen moments. Clips from it. Yeah. There's moments in it that are so c- crushing that that it just it just makes the rest of it hard to get through. Hmm. And as a kid watching that, it just put my head in a spot, and I haven't been able to shake that spot ever since. You know what I yeah. mean? Anyway. Yeah. No, but I would definitely agree with you. I think this is maybe the very best comedy ever made. I can't think of a comedy that I would point to other than Wayne's World and say, in terms of laughs, this is the best. I mean, Robin Hood Men in Tights kind of is pretty close for me. It it achieves the zany, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, Dumb and Dumber... Uh, airplane, uh, Spinal Tap, like most of the Monty Python movies, um, yeah, are like just up there. But in terms of like, yeah, I gotta, I'll admit though, in terms of like laughs and laughs per minute, like I, it's almost unfair, but those jackass movies are, oh, yeah. The funniest fucking movies in the no, world. No, I think you're abs. I think you're absolutely right on that. It, it's yeah, it's not fair though. Yeah, it's it, Borat's up there too. I mean, like the yeah, Sasha Baron Cohen is really up there too. But it's not as um distilled as Jackass. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, the funny thing about Jackass is physical comedy. Those those guys are harry and lloyd like literally they're just (laughs) dumb guys um just that have figured out a way to monetize how dumb they are and how willing to cause themselves harm yeah Um, Yeah. they are you know it's very true um okay well um now we have our interview with aaron london All right. Today we have a very special guest on the show. We have Aaron London, who is the writer-director of the new horror movie, Don't Let Me Stay, available for rent or purchase on Amazon right now. Aaron is also a longtime listener of the show, and we are just so happy to have him. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you. Yes. happy to be here thank you for having me yeah absolutely i've been uh i've been digging into don't let me stay and it's uh i gotta say it's got me intrigued uh i i was wondering kind of what well actually first my first question to everybody has to be what are your favorite horror movies Ooh. and you you can list as many as you like okay 
Uh, oof. Okay. I mean, I I grew up a big fan of the slashers, so I mean, Halloween, Jason, Freddy, slashers always hold a, a a space in my heart. Even the Leprechaun movies or the Chucky movies, even the the comedy ones are are super good. Um, and then like just I mean, Insidious, The Grudge, The Ring, like all the classics that you grow up that aren't like great regular movies like it doesn't have this super fascinating storylines but i mean it just does the, the horror really good i mean i think probably very top is either the grudge or something by stephen king either the it secret windows something like that will probably be i'm a very at the very top of it. which it oof do you mean like the original or the remake or part one, part two? Yes. Okay. I think they're or but either one. You could do. You could choose part one or part two as well for either one. Okay. Okay. Um, I think it goes. I think it goes original part one then part two. To me personally, I have to hold the original mm-hmm. one. I saw the original one when I was like five years old. It gave me nightmares <laughs> for like three straight <laughs> weeks. <laughs> yeah. Your original answer to the question of what your favorite horror movies are when you went down the list, I was like, that that was my key to be like, oh, he's as old as I am. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Insidious, The Ring, you know, The Grudge. I was like, oh, yeah, that was my teenage, like, yeah. excited about horror moment as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that little kid hitting the it at just the right, wrong time. Wrong yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that miniseries, um, man, it, I mean, it's it doesn't age super well, but yeah. honestly, the part that doesn't age well is the second part. Right. Like, the first part holds up I agree. really well. Like, the those kids, there's some, like, really good child actors in, in that one. And then it kind of suffers in part two, but that's true of the remake too like yeah part two isn't as interesting as seeing little kids in danger we just love seeing little kids in harm's <laughs> way it's, it's... yeah as does stephen king <laughs> yeah. exactly. it feels like the, the kid he, stephen king likes kids kids in danger and weird sex shit <laughs> that is true he's a big fan of weird sex stuff <laughs> Um, okay, so with your taste, now that we have your taste, I got to ask, what drove you to make Don't Let Me Stay? This is your first full feature length yeah, film, yeah, right? Yeah, first feature. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I just, I just watch a lot of horror movies. And so um, I started screenwriting when I was like 17. I saw this this indie film called Cry Wolf. Cry Wolf. I think it came out maybe in like 2006. I could be wrong. Um and that was the first time I saw a movie, and I was like, you know what, I could I could do this. Like this is really good. I feel like I could do it as well. <laughs> and so like I just like I always like wrote short stories, and like I would read them to my friends and stuff like that. I used to do like many, many, many stand ups when I was in middle school, to where I would just write stuff and I would I'd do it to like a small audience. So I was like, I always knew like I could storytell to a degree, but I was like, you know what, I think I could write like horror films or thrillers. After I saw that, and so um, I just I just watched so many, and so I was writing horror shorts at first, just like little stuff around, and especially when like the pandemic hit, I was like, okay, I want to write a bunch of like horror shorts, 
And so, mm-hmm. uh, but like weird ones, you know what I mean? Like midsummer, like, <laughs> like ones that will catch your attention and like, um, and so, yeah, uh, we had this location of this Victorian house and I was, at first it was going to be a murder mystery. I was like, maybe I'll write a murder mystery, something, uh, you know, and then, you know, it'll be a twist and this and this and this. And then, um, just while I was writing it, I was like, nah, I have to, cause I was watching, uh, the Haunting of Hill House, which is an amazing show. And I was like, no, it has to be, it has to be a haunted house. And so that's when Don't Let Me Stay was born. Awesome. Okay. So, so you were watching uh, The Haunting of Hill House mm-hmm. as you were kind of getting this thing yeah. off the ground, getting it legs. Did you have any other inspirations um, while you were writing this? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah of course. Um, so like I said, I was I wanted to do a murder mystery. So while I was watching that, I wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm gonna do a haunted house. I just was like, oh, let me let me watch some good stuff. But like Jordan Peele came out with Get Out and Us and all that, and I was like, you know what? There, there's a way to horror, like a different direction we can come at horror. And so that also inspired me. I always thought like, okay, you always had horror films in the back of my mind. Like ever since like you know Jordan Peele's a big inspiration. So. It always is like, all right, how can I do it in a unique way? Sometimes I have shots in my head. Um, and so it kind of pushed me to to kind of do the film. Like, all right, once I have a good idea, we're going to do it. And so that's the door you see. Nice. Um, so, like, how, how long did it take you from, like, script right? Because it seems like a, a kind of a short time frame mm-hmm. you know if you're talking about like you know being inspired by, well i guess haunting of hill house a few years back that recent yeah. but i mean how long did it take you from like coming up with the idea to writing to getting it actually like up on amazon um ooh. <laughs> maybe like the well i guess maybe end of production not not that, okay, that yeah, because I was about to say that's like, about that was like a three-year process, maybe like two and a half-year process. Yeah, yeah, it's usually mm-hmm. a process uh, that goes on. So it's like it took like from like start of script writing to like the beginning of shooting was about eight months. So I wrote the script um, that we did pre-production, and then we started shooting. The shooting was about a month and a half give or take about 20, 25 shooting days, 20, 25 shooting days. Don't, don't quote me. And so, um, so we ended filming, um, I believe at the end of 2021. Yeah. What's it, this was done on a making a movie on that kind of super super tight budget was it were Ooh. there any challenges like what like what was what did you fit like what was the you know what was the shit <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah um i mean I, i'm grateful at the time i knew people who like had equipment i knew like filmmakers you know what i mean so it wasn't like i was uh-huh. going there like the only filmmaker like producers crew all that like had their own thing like they were already doing their own film stuff they are they probably had even more way more knowledge than i did um working on the project so it was like a joint community effort as well um and so 
that made me feel a lot better. But yeah, I mean, you just learn how to kind of adapt. You kind of wrote, like, I kind of wrote a script with a budget in mind, right? You kind of do that. Like, mm-hmm. um, you don't always have to, but sometimes if you have like an idea like that, like, all right, what can, what can I write in here to save costs in like when we're shooting? And so, um, I did write somewhat of a friendly budget script, which was good. But yeah, like, uh, I mean, you have some, you, you just praying that nothing goes wrong. <laughs> you have to pay, like, use mm-hmm. extra, right. you know, of the budget. Or, yeah. Out? Like, you like, hopefully everything goes smooth. Uh, we can get in and out. Yeah. I got to say, like, um, <laughs> So I'm I'm assuming it's basically like a single location mm-hmm. in in the house. I yeah. haven't watched it. Um, I have to commend anyone whose first film doesn't take place in a state park. <laughs> <laughs> That's like it seems like every like budget horror movie is like, yeah. and then they're outside yeah. for <laughs> an indeterminate amount of time yeah. in the yes, woods in the because woods. that's where you can shoot easily. <laughs> Um, so yeah, any, anyone that like figures out how to have a, a location in their film that isn't, you know, obviously like their apartment or the woods, <laughs> you know, yeah. that's impressive. And I had a little bit um, of practice of like minimum locations. Cause like I said, I was doing like shorts during the pandemic. I was writing shorts. And so I was just like, you know, we can't go very. So it's like, all right, how can I keep it in just a few locations? Like, I mean, it's a it's a huge skill too. I mean, to to think of that if as a creator of like, especially if you want to get involved in Hollywood, um, showing like knowledge of this is what actually costs money. You know, this is where you know you can make compromises, and and one of them is like if you write a single location like cheaply filmed script, you have a lot higher yes. chance of getting it one hundred percent than. If you're like, all right, so it's going to be like Mission Impossible, but starring <laughs> yeah. me, yeah. you know, <laughs> so. Or even like writing more flexibilities into the script in general with props and everything. Then you are you, know, you let it yeah. open. It's not like you're super determined on one thing. And it's like, oh, we got to get this. And it's that, you know, kind of op- leaving it open a little bit. Yes, for sure. Advice that I would give. So what did the budget end up being for it? I mean, I think the estimated budget on imdb is like thirty thousand, but i but i'm curious if that's yeah true. around there i mean i mean there's some there's some stuff that obviously you comes out of pocket that you don't put down on the but you know what i mean because it's just in a time like or or if you're on set you're going over budget we you just have you just go and get it sometimes you don't like write it down oh we need this prop let's just go get the problem we don't really you know, put down what it's all around there. I always say like around thirty thousand, yeah. And sometimes people, you know, do stuff, you know, past their pay grade. How much they're getting paid? They just do extra work because they want they want the film to do well, and so that doesn't come up in the pay either. So, yeah, around that. That's cool. I mean, it's it's so crazy to be like, oh, this is a micro budget, but it also costs thirty thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, so no, I yeah. can't. I don't have thirty thousand <laughs> yeah, dollars just yeah. sitting around. You just know, laying yeah. around. Yeah, yeah, and it's a weird um, feeling once you, once you get like a budget like that, and then you're and then it goes into the film because you're like, hey, this is a micro budget, but it's like if things go wrong, I can't just pay this back <laughs> like out of my pocket. Be like, oh yeah, here's your thirty thousand back because <laughs> the film didn't work. Yeah, out. no kidding. Okay, so this actually this is a good transition because debt 
is pretty scary to me, right? But, but my question to you is, is it hard to make something scary? Ooh. Because, you know, like, first of all, you got what's scary to you and you listed some of your inspiration, some of the shit that, you know, you, it hit you is really scary. Um, but how, what's it like on the other end of that, making something scary? You know, like, how do you do that? Um, it starts in a script, right? It, it starts, like, read scary. So sometimes you'll write something and, and, and you'll read it yourself or somebody read it and it'll make them jump back a little bit. And then you're like, okay. So then, like, if it, if it reads scary, then it's, it's, it's a little bit easier to translate it onto, onto the screen, right? And then um, music does, like, 50% of it. <laughs> I mean, you know, if it, you can make almost anything into a jump scare or you could, you know what I mean? Or you, or you can build up suspense just by, just by having the music go up. So, uh, music is like a big help too. So it's not as, like I said, if you, if you have like the vision when you're writing it, then it's not as hard. Like if you know in your head what is going to be scary, if you know how it looks, sometimes people don't write with like the visuals in mind, but I like to write with specific shots in my mind. And once I know, like, all right, that will be scary if that, if we made it like that, then, then it's just a good thing. What's been the most rewarding part of, you know, making this thing, thinking of this thing, making it, and then getting it out there? Like, what's what's been the part that's brought you the most joy for, in, in, you know, don't don't let me stay? Definitely the getting it out there part, because <laughs> it took like two and a half years. Uh, and, and when you go in, you don't really like understand how long projects take. I mean, it goes through waves and hands and it's passed around and then this, this person's job and it's passed around there and this, you know what I mean? And so <clears throat> you, you, you almost take like a break and then when it comes out, it's almost like a time capsule. You're like, oh wow, like <laughs> I did shoot that. But yeah, it's probably, probably just having everybody being able to see it. I mean, the filming process is fun. It's not always going to be fun. It's still work. You know what I mean? It's still long, long hours. Um, I mean, we, our average shooting hours between like 10 hours and because we had 16 hour filming days um, on the bigger scenes and stuff because you just got to get every, you got to get all your shots done and everything. So um, there's times where it doesn't get fun and you're like, all right, let's just, let's just get through the scene. Uh, and so, but when it when it comes out and just seeing like even the joy from the cast and the crew, right? Like you just going around, everybody gets to see themselves, and and uh, the audio guy gets to watch it and see his work, and the DPs get to watch it and see their work, and then you, it's like a it's, it's a very much a, co- a collective collaborative effort. You know, I'm just a writer and director, and you sit back and realize that so many pieces. I mean, so many people are involved, so many pieces are factors that make it what it is. So. Um, that's probably the rewarding part, not just for myself to see everybody else get to see their product. So were there any like huge, um, just hurdles or, or problems that came up on, on, uh, pr- during production to where you're like, I got to figure out how to solve this right now. And like, what was when you watch it, what, what are the things where you're like, that didn't go how I, you know, expected, but I pulled it off somehow. Um, I can tell. I can tell you just asked the right question. Just watching them react. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what didn't go wrong? So 
to start off, <laughs> and this is what I meant about the budget, you know. Uh, so to start off, the first day of shooting, right? We go through rehearsal and everything. The cast comes together. We're ready to go. Nerves are happening, right? You always get that first day nerves to where it's like, all right, we're about to do this now. Start a project, and our camera breaks. Camera goes down. We took a couple of shots and it goes down. Boom. And we get a, a guy to come in, uh, uh, you know, the kind of. So, is that important to have a working camera? A little bit. <laughs> 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 and so, we had the mechanic comes in and he, he can't fix it. So, we're like, oh, wow. So, then I have to dismiss the cast for the day and say, hey, we're not going to be able to shoot. But we're not going to, we don't know if we're going to be able to shoot at all. If we're going to have to push the whole production back, you know, it's because we got to find the camera because we got lenses. So, we got to find a specific camera. That the lenses go to it's not like we could just go and get any camera and so uh luckily we was able to rent a camera from a filmmaker from a couple of cities down the block he had the exact same camera we were using and we were able to come he was like yeah we'll rent out i'll rent you our camera out and uh use it for the rest of the shooting so good thing we had a little bit extra in the budget and, and we were able to use that for to rent a camera yeah what was the camera that um, you were using I don't know by heart. My DP will probably know more. It was a. Was it digital or film? It was digital. Um, I I don't know off the top of my head. I couldn't tell you off the top yeah. of my head. Okay. Okay. I, this okay. So, I get this. I, I get this all the time. So, like before this interview with you, I get this. You know this feeling. You know you were you were saying like that first day you got the jitters. You know you want things to work out. You're not sure what kind of shit it's gonna come. You're like, ah. well, I get that like each time before we talk to a new guest. Like I'm like, I want this to go well. Like I want them. I want I, I want it to be. I want it to be a good product and yada yada. And what happens to me is my butt. My butt goes. <laughs> Ah, ah, ah. And that is the way that is the way my body responds to the nerves, right? Is I'm like, oh, oh, okay. So you're gonna have to go back to that day. Of okay. uh, like, how does it hit you? Is it butterflies? Is it you know what I yeah. mean? You're like when you're when you got all this all these people who you got to tell like the camera doesn't work. <laughs> like and they're like what the fuck like what's the feeling you got like what's what's your visceral response because this is this is the real horror in horror you know? <laughs> yeah uh yeah yeah so because yeah because i always have i already have butterflies because it's like i'm the director of this film it's about to start like go down you know what i mean like uh so i already have butterflies in that and so at first it's like denial right so we're like what no did you turn it on you turn okay you turn it on one more time plug it back in you know you're doing that like uh <laughs> we bring the mechanic guy in and we're like oh he's gonna come and he's gonna fix it 100 percent. you know what i mean like oh so we, we but didn't they look at us they're like uh, and they were like oh did, did we turn it on he tried to turn it on again and, <laughs> and, then we, <laughs> and so it's like the dial for a bit and then I come out there and I I gotta talk to the cast and everybody's green eye and then that's when it's like it's like it drops in my stomach to where it's like like I gotta keep it together because you know the director and it's like but inside I'm like oh my god like what the hell like and then I dismiss the the cast and then it's like we're just the whole crew's just be it's like silence <laughs> we're just like all like okay we have to think of what to do next 
And so we're just sitting there silent thinking, trying to figure out a way. And it's just, and it's like, nobody wants to speak. Nobody wants to comment on the situation. Nobody wants to, <laughs> we want to act like it's not even happening a little bit. Like we're just taking a long break, like a lunch. Uh, but it's very, it's real. It's definitely very real. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's okay. I love, oh man. Yeah, no, that shit, that like, that feeling of coming into a situation where there's a problem and then, and then being, and then like that, that moment where you realize there's a real problem. That's, that's the scariest thing there is, but being able to like push through that and get the thing done. There's nothing more rewarding. I don't think like is it, it must feel great to have this thing done and fucking on Amazon prime, dude. Like what's that like? Oh man. Oh man. Oh man. I don't know. It's 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 it, it feels like a lot of things. It feels like a dream come true. It feels like uh I don't know, but it's also your art, right? So you kind of feel nervous for people to watch it cuz then you're like, "Oh, somebody in uh, Thailand might be watching it right now." And I and I I'm not sitting next to him and be like, "What do you think?" Like or you know what I mean? Like or or to explain like, "Oh, this and this and that," you know? Uh, so it's like, it's very, you feel very vulnerable, but like in a good way, like I, I want people to watch it and I want people to tell me if they like it, if they dislike it, if, if, uh, you know, it made them laugh, if it's something that there's a scene that they'll remember when they leave, if, you know, um, I just wanted people to watch it from the dump. Like, like that was my only goal. Was, I mean, like I said, it was about two and a half year process. I was like, I just wanted to, I'm just ready. I'm just ready for people to watch it, you know? It's not a perfect movie. It's my first feature film, but it, I feel like I feel like uh, we put a lot of time and effort into it, and and um, we feel like it, it can entertain us, you know, entertain people for a bit. Yeah. So, um, how hard was it to get it on Amazon? Because um, I, I I seem to remember like it used to be really easy to for independent filmmakers to get stuff mm-hmm. on Amazon Prime, and then they changed some policies or change like visibility for independent filmmakers like, yeah what was that process for you um hmm. well we had a distribution team so they did most of that work of getting it to amazon i don't really know the specifics you know people usually ask me i don't know the specifics um I was mainly just in, try, in charge of making the film. Right, right. You know. <laughs> okay. Um, so how do you know how it's been doing um, since you released it? You, how when, when was the release date? I, I know it's been pretty – I can't remember when, when you sent it on, on Instagram, but – It was about uh, a month ago, I think. Yeah, yeah, April 3rd, I believe. April 3rd was when it, when it came out, yeah. So how's it, how's it uh, been going with it? on amazon do you know any numbers or anything or are you happy with how it's going yeah so far i mean so far if you look at it it has a, a five out of five star rating for from everybody who's rated it so that's that's, that's dope that's cool um we had like a little showing um because i'm i'm in la that's where i live and so we had a showing out here in la um and you know, I got to sit with an audience. I, I sat in the back though. I was like, "Please, nobody look at me, <laughs> right?" Well, I just, uh, like I was just, like, just <laughs> or I didn't want to 
make people feel like I was looking at them. You know what I mean? Like super intent. Like, oh, do you like it? Um, you should have brought a folding chair up <laughs> to the front and turned it to yeah. face the audience, <laughs> right. and then just crossed your arms. That's you the know? director on the back, right? Like, yeah, yeah. And then be like, <laughs> so what? Do, what do you think? Like halfway through the movie, say stop, stop, wait. You know, like, what do you think? Yeah. They're not having the reaction. Just stand up and start pacing the floor in front of them. <laughs> like a, and the then Lord. the director paced in front of the screen while the movie. Were, no, um, <laughs> no, man. I've been watching this wildly thing. gesticulating towards the screen. It's like, can, <laughs> can he not see this? <laughs> Rewind. I've been watching this thing uh, this morning. I'm about halfway through. I got to tell you, it reminds me a lot. I get a lot of um, if I had to. Um, I mean, it's its own thing, but it it's definitely given me like get out vibes. Um, it's kind of got this slow burn feel. You, you're you're taking your time with getting the characters, um, introducing them and giving them kind of a rich backstory and like why everything's going. It's so it's given me get out vibes and, I, and I'm digging it. So I'm going to I'm going to finish this thing after the interview. Um, don't let me stay. It's available on Amazon right now. Uh, Aaron, thank you so much for for coming on the show. Um, do you have any socials that that uh, that you can plug? Yeah, so uh, everybody can find me at Aaron London T on Instagram. You can also follow the Don't Let Me Stay Instagram as well. Um, you can also follow me on TikTok at Aaron London T as well. You can also follow the Don't Let Me Stay TikTok as well. I mean, we also have a Reddit page. Don't let me say, and that is the DLMS film for everything on the Don't Let Me Say for Instagram, TikTok, and Reddit. Um, yeah, fabulous, Aaron. You got anything you want to say before you go? Look, if you if you if you're just sitting on a Sunday or Saturday night, and you're like, you know what? I'm I'm script I'm I'm scrolling through all these films. I don't know what to watch. You just want something that's gonna take you on a journey, that's gonna get you attached to some of the characters, that's gonna uh have you being like, What is going on next? Um, then turn on this film. You know, it's it's just a very heartwarming film. Um, which is weird to say for a horror film, but you could just feel, you know, the passion that we put into it. And um it's not the the a perfect film with all these you know, special effects and everything, but, um, you know, it's a little piece of, it's a little piece of, uh, sunshine, you know, something to give homage to the horror genre, genre that, that's done so much to me, for me. Yeah. Aaron London, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we'd love to have you back sometime soon and, uh, and talk about what you're doing next. Yes, definitely. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks, Aaron. <laughs> We'll keep in touch. All right. All right. And we're back. Um, that was great. Dude, thank you so much uh, to Aaron London, uh, creator of Don't Let Me Stay. Check it out over there on Amazon. You know what to do. You know how to do it. It's, I think it's only a buck to rent. So worth your time. Go check it out. Uh, give it a rating. Uh, let him know what you think about it. And, uh, you know. You know, uh, don't uh, don't be stingy uh, on those ratings. Uh, ha- don't head, be stingy, Mark. Yeah, don't be stingy, Mark. Head on over to our uh, 
Spotify or our Apple podcast and toss us a couple of stars. We take five mostly is just how many we like to take. So toss us those five stars over there. Uh, watch us on YouTube. Rate us. Review us. Yada, yada, bo yada. We appreciate everyone for making this transition with us into horror movie talk plus territory. Um, I'm real excited to get to cover movies outside of the horror genre, but also to get to continue to review horror movies. So check us out, horrormovietalk.com. Support us on patreon.com slash horrormovietalk. And, uh, you know, share it with a friend because that's how we grow. And the best way to share it with a friend is, like I said, do those reviews. Call us at 682-253-4468. We love you with all of our hearts. So we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Good day, sir. Good day, sir. You lose. Wow, that didn't sound good.